Syracuse football once again proves itself painfully mediocre in a pinstripe bowl loss, 28-20. to SU lost to Minnesota. We'll give you takeaways. We'll look at your Twitter replies and everything. It's on Locked On Syracuse. It's right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte and Valentine with you on your Friday episode of Locked On Syracuse. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. We are here for your team every day. Um, Syracuse lost twenty-eight to twenty in the Pinstripe Bowl. Seven and six, they finished the year, and that seems so much more fitting for this group than eight and five does. Um, they just didn't have it. Schrader had made a nice play at the end of the game uh, in that scramble into the end zone, but other than that, there wasn't really much special uh, happening out there. It was a pretty tame football game. They didn't look good. That penalty really late was so painful. Uh, it was it was disappointing, but at the same time, you know, what did you expect from a team that didn't have Michael Jones, Jihad Carter, Deuce Chestnut, Matthew Bergeron, Sean Tucker, Courtney Jackson, Steve Linton, and the list goes on. Um, so, you know, there was that going into it that you knew that it was going to be a really difficult win uh, if they were to win. LaQuint Allen, who played in place of Sean Tucker, I thought was pretty solid. He looked pretty good. Um, he didn't look like Sean Tucker, but he looked solid. Uh, Schrader. I was, I was going to say he looked outstanding for what he it's looked worth. really good. I, I thought he was really solid. Um, 26 fantasy points without a touchdown. I like that. Yeah. I saw that. That was good. I like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Schrader, it was, it was same old Syracuse football and, and I don't know, you know, they didn't have a great chance to win that game. Um, once Tanner Morgan came in, it was kind of wrap, uh, it was just a tough game, and they lose it. Um, I didn't get a chance to hear the Dino presser, but Owen, I know you did. Did he say anything that st- stood out to you? Nothing really that stood out to me. I mean, I just I, I think this game encapsulated the frustrations from this season because, as you said, right, ten point spread. This isn't a game you're supposed to win. However, it was a game that you probably should have won and could have won, and the opportunities to win this game were more than prevalent or more than understandable by simply looking at the yardage here. Syracuse out-yards Minnesota 477 to 213. The reason Minnesota won that football game is because of an idiotic pass from Garrett Schrader straight to Minnesota and because of a kick return to the 25-yard line and a touchdown on the subsequent possession and almost immediately, if not first play. I don't exactly remember. That is the difference, right? That's the 14 points. And that is something that Dino mentioned in the press conference is without that pick six and without the kick return, which he is basically calling uh, a non-defensive touchdown, the defense played outstanding today. 
they played a really, really good game of football uh, and kept a, a Minnesota offense that, yes, you know, you, you lose a starting quarterback and you bring in a backup that's really a starter. So I don't know how to approach that mentally. Um, but a team that can run the ball pretty well, obviously, Ibrahim didn't play. Uh, Ibrahim didn't play a ton in the second half outside of the last snap, actually got his records. And I think with the score, not worth pushing anything in the field conditions, things like that. Um, but this is a Syracuse defense that played outstanding and, and really did what you wanted them to do. As you mentioned, without Michael Jones, without Derek McDonald and Anwar Sparrow, who we didn't really realize weren't playing until yeah, I had no idea pregame game tweets play. from Emily Liker without Deuce, without Linton, without Jihad, without Garrett, without Terry Lockett, without Stefan Thompson, right? Without everyone that you sort of had circled as to who this defense is and who their names are. And they came out and balled. Shout out to Kalen or Caden Bailey, because he came in out of nowhere. I hands up, did not know who he was prior to the first quarter when he made some big defensive plays, but he stepped up. Zach, and I think yeah. that's a really cool thing for the Syracuse defense to Let's throw this out without Tony White for crying out loud, right? On the list of people that aren't there for Syracuse's defense. They came in and they competed. They did what they could uh, to put Syracuse in a position to win this game. Syracuse offense outside of LaQuint, I have some questions, right? I, I think I had my full circle moment this year with regards to Garrett Schrader. I remember our first chat, Bones. This was right when I got on the pod originally. Uh, we're talking preseason camp. And I said, my big concern with Garrett Schrader is his inability to throw the deep ball with any sense of accuracy, any sense of effectiveness. And I'm not entirely sure where the accuracy stands. And what was the second half of football today for Garrett Schrader? Inability to successfully throw the deep ball and the accuracy went out the door. I get maybe sun went down. It got a little colder. He couldn't throw the football in the second half. Like, I don't know what happened throwing the ball five yards over the head of LaQuint Allen on the sideline. Like, just terrible, terrible throws. And it was something that I don't – I didn't see all too much of this season. And it comes out and is a major hindrance for Syracuse's offensive success. They could have won this football game. I think a lot of people would say they should have, in many ways, been able to win this football game. Maybe not a guarantee – uh, maybe not as big of a they should have won as a Clemson game if you look back to the middle of the season. But this is a game that Syracuse really, really, it feels like they should have had, which I think encapsulates this season really, really well. Something I'm super curious about on the offensive end, you mentioned Tony White. I'm going to talk about um, no Robert and I, and instead Jason Beck taking over as the offensive coordinator today. I'm super curious about what the play call uh, looked like from the inner workings of Syracuse's coaching. Who was calling plays? What was the story there? In this game, Garrett Schrader threw 51 passes. That's a career-high pass attempts. The most he'd ever thrown before that was the Clemson game back in 2021. He threw 37 passes in that game. So that's an uptick of 14. Uh, I think... That's a little bit interesting. I mean, sure, you don't have Sean Tucker, so that definitely contributed to that number. But still, I mean, you're you're giving the ball uh, to Schrader to throw 50-plus times, and this is a guy that I, it's just no secret 
to Syracuse, to Syracuse fans, media, opposing players, coaches, media, whatever. He's not a great passer. He's not. No. The ball does not look pretty coming out of his hand. And to give him the ball 51 times to throw, it's a little bit absurd. And it's not like LaQuint wasn't successful on the ground. I mean, he averaged 6.3 yards a carry on 14 Yeah, he was good on the ground. Right? He was effective. He was impactful. He was doing good things. And you're going to just continue to let Garrett throw and let Garrett throw and let Garrett throw. And for a while, it was actually for one drive in the first half and one drive in the second half, it was pretty much working. Although I will say Schrader had three abysmal throws on that second half drive, but used his feet really, really well to to find the end zone on a well-defended play. And to talk about well-defended plays, I mean, we say, right, excusable. Obviously, the pick six is not on the defense. The kick return, they have the ball in the 25. You're going to expect the team to score. Excused. They played incredible defense on the touchdown, yeah. the throwing touchdown. Uh, phenomenal defensive play by, was it Barron in the corner, I think? Um, I believe so. Outstanding defensive play. Just a better play on offense to, to bring that in. A beautiful throw. Well, I think throw. that was Simmons, actually. Uh, was it Simmons? Yeah, I think it was Simmons. Um, just, I mean, that... Outside of that, you had seven points allowed, right? Like, you you played a really, really good defensive game of football today. The offense wasn't there. And, you know, what difference Sean brings, I don't think anyone can truly measure. Um, but they're, you know, it's just But, you know, that's been that the you, story you can look for back the back half of the yeah. year is that the offense hasn't been there and that the defense yeah, has done whatever it can to keep them in the game. And I don't really think having Sean Tucker would have changed this all that much, to be honest. No. Um, because LeQuint played a great game, like we said. He played a really, really good game. Uh, and you can't really pin it on the running back. I mean, it, the offense just didn't have anything together. And I think that if you continue next year to have no – wide receivers outside of Rondé Gaston that you can go to any any given player have any kind of special talent hey, you're going to have troublesome time and, and a quarterback who can't accurately throw the deep ball um mm-hmm. because and, I mean the pick six was guy, the worries that we had all season yeah right the predetermined what is going to happen regardless of who is standing there yeah and that was the pick six it was identical to not identical in terms of location but the same throw as Notre Dame Right. Mm-hmm. Gadsden's getting the ball. I'm going to throw the ball to Gadsden. Tunnel vision. Yeah. Blinders. Right. The defender is standing right there. Was there the whole time. Didn't come out of nowhere. Didn't sneak up on anybody. Was there the whole time. That throw cannot be made. And that is the reason right. you lose this football game. It really Let's is. Take- I mean, special teams were terrible. The kick return back to the 25 cannot happen. Uh, Syracuse apparently doesn't know how to punt anymore we did learn that throughout the end of the season but i forgot about it in the month they had off between games uh it's just you know there's a lot of issues and as we learn down the stretch this year as we learned today again your defense overperforming can only go so far and that was the case in 2021 was the case again this season your defense playing outstanding can only take you so far in football games and that is something that the offense has not been able to overcome the last two seasons. 100%. I agree. Uh, and the numbers show that. And 
I mean, certain games like the Clemson game show that from this year where defense played its heart out. Didn't matter. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, this one brought to you by the NHTSA, and I'll read you a little story. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Okie doke. Um, continuing talking about this game, Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on Lockdown Syracuse, the podcast. Um, yeah, tough game. And one, this is such an interesting, like, you know, we're at the end of the year, so I kind of want to just take a macro look at the season. A really, really interesting year because everybody came in saying it's going to be five and seven. It's going to be six and six, maybe seven and five. And and I will tell you what, even if somebody said they're going to be seven and six and they lose 28-20 in the pinstripe bowl in Minnesota, I guarantee you. They did not predict the way that Syracuse got there. Nobody thought they were going to go 6-0 and and then plummet. I mean, nobody thought that was going to happen. Um, so you have to give a little bit of credit, I suppose, to the magic that was the first six games. But Dino once again proved he can't win in November, uh, proved he couldn't win the big game, which would have been Clemson this year, that they should have won. Um, there was just there was so much that went wrong that didn't necessarily have to. And Syracuse as a program proved once again that it just can't put it all together. Even in a season where everything seems to be going right, you have a lot of talent uh, on both sides of the ball. Whether or not you have a great quarterback really didn't matter this year because Sean Tucker, a generational running back for Syracuse, was in play. And your defense was some of the best defense you've had in a really, really long time. But whether it was play calling or just consistency on the offensive end they just never put it together uh, or bailed out that defense that worked so hard to keep them in so many games Uh, then of course there were really really bad games like the FSU game that is hard to even remember the 38 to 3 game senior night the whole bit that was terrible Um, this could have been a stepping stone year for Syracuse when we were at the halfway mark and they lost that game to Clemson we were like okay they can still be they can still be a 10 win team and then a couple of weeks after that it was just so evident that it was so much more likely they'd be 6 and 6 um so whether or not you want to sit back and say well you know they actually if you all things considered they uh hit expectations i really don't think they did at least the way that people expected it because nobody thought they were going to go 6 and 0 and then rip everybody's hearts out everybody thought they'd scratch along win a couple games here and there and maybe right at the end of the season get their bowl appearance but no this was such a long drawn out year 
that felt just so sad because there was so much potential. Six, you know, you're both eligible. There's a potential for a lot of special things to Bones, happen. And then this team was bang. ranked 14th in the country. They were 14th in the it's country. It's so hard to remember that. I didn't even remember that. That's crazy. It's crazy that that was there. They were never that good. It's just, it's another, you know, another example of this team just never being able to put it together. And I know that people don't like it when we do this, but it's really difficult not to point to Dino. It's hard. What are we supposed to do? Say, all right, go out and get them again next year. They don't recruit. They're the last in recruiting. They got two great offense. They had a great offensive coordinator and a great defensive coordinator this year. Defensive coordinator leaves for a job at Nebraska. That's understandable. You have ties to Matt Rule uh, and the Big Ten's a conference that everybody wants to join. I understand that. You're probably getting paid more, too. Tony White, I get it. But Robert and I jumping ship after one year? What are we supposed to think? What are we supposed to think? That Syracuse is just... It just you're painting yourself now as a place that nobody wants to get to. People want to use as a stepping stone or something like that, which is fine and can be fine. But at this point, how are we supposed to not point to Dino? I think macro right now, and it's it is difficult. And I sort of ended one of the episodes this week. I forget which one sort of going through the current predicament that is Syracuse football fandom. And it is difficult, right? You lose both coordinators. You lose pretty much everyone on this team that's good. And I know that's not correct. And I know that's an exaggeration. But you lost so many vital pieces to the NFL, to the transfer portal at this point. Yes, you're bringing in key guys. I'm not going to say that completely. But you have lost so many vital pieces this season from top to bottom. Can I just say one thing? Real yeah, quick. please. Sorry, I, I don't want to trample over you, but you just turned something on in my head that I remembered. Isn't it crazy that Dino, his whole thing is supposed to be like rah rah, guys love playing for me. I have the crazy halftime speeches. Everybody loves playing for me, but you don't. You can't even get guys to stay for the bowl game who aren't even declaring for the draft. Declaring for the draft is one thing. I get that. You don't want to get hurt. But you've got guys transferring before bowl games. Yeah. This is ridiculous. You are mm-hmm. supposed I- to be the guy. See, the thing is, the thing that makes me upset is, what is he supposed to be as a coach? What is his major strength? Is it recruiting? No. Is it he's an offensive guru? Clearly not. If he has anything, it's that people love playing for him, right? Well, that's clearly not the case. Deuce Chestnut's gone. Rubbing Todd Carter gone. Steve Linton gone. Everybody's gone. Bergeron, whatever. Everyone wants out. As soon as humanly possible, everybody wants out. It's ridiculous. It's I'm absolutely... rubbing off on you. And, and this is what I thought about back in my sophomore year when Ryan Alexander up and left the team and Matthew Bergeron had to go in. You're the guy that everybody loves. This guy didn't even tell you he was leaving the team. And now look at this. Three years later, same story. People, I got to get out of here. That's what they're showing. How are we supposed to put any stock into Dino? Anything. Right? I mean, he he stands here and preaches Ohana and this family and this deep cut of a family. Well, apparently, and now you've got me going now. Apparently, family is tweeting we from the sidelines after declaring to transfer Deuce Chestnut. Let's finish what we started. You don't get to say let's 
and we in a sentence about a bowl game that you chose not to play in because your priority is elsewhere, Deuce Chestnut. You do not get to say, let's finish what we started. The team will finish what they started. You chose not to be a part of that in this ohana, in this wonderful family that builds upon each other and picks each other up. It's not tweeting from the sideline. And I know people are going to say, oh, you got to do what you got to do. I appreciate him still rooting on his team. Oh, my God. That is the bare minimum. You want to say this guy bought in, is a part of the family, is taking the right steps towards his career, making career moves? I can get that. You know who did that? Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, right? Plays in the bowl game announces afterwards that he will transfer. That's commitment to your team. That is family. That is culture. That is Ohana. Ohana is not both your coordinators are out the door, and then everybody who is somewhat relevant also out the door with them on that defense. And your big names not playing, right? Ibrahim is an NFL talent, same as Sean Tucker. Ibrahim played. Yes, he had something to play for. But Sean Tucker also has something to play for. Pride, right? He was supposed to be the 44, right? That was coming out. That was the type of player that people interpreted him as. The type of impact he had. The type of sort of draw that he would bring to this game doesn't play. And I get that. And I am not going to bash somebody for wanting to make money and not get hurt in the one week that will keep them from playing and making money. I get it. But it is just adding to this fire. That is the, what is there right now? Dino doesn't have people that want to stay. And quite frankly, there aren't many people that want Dino to stay at this point. Anybody who can, you know, critique what's going on is in a similar boat right now. Dino is still actively the beneficiary of a contract mistake from John Wildack. A way too early extension, jumping ship because somebody maybe threw a little bit of fish food into the fishbowl that is Syracuse football, i.e. USC, maybe hiring Dino, right? We give him a way too hefty contract extension. Now you're here. And there is right now this struggle. There is no recruiting. You're going to keep talking about the transfer portal. They got to do a lot in the transfer portal, a ton in the transfer portal to make up for this stuff right? Let's rattle it off one more time. Sean Tucker, Michael Jones, Matthew Bergeron, Deuce Chestnut, Steve Linton, Anthony Queeley, Courtney Jackson, Jihad Carter, Garrett Williams, gone. Chris Elmore, gone. Team, gone, right? Those are 10 starters. Seven or eight, 10 starters. How many did I count? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 day one starters, gone. And in returning them, you've brought in the worst recruiting class in the ACC, the second worst recruiting class in the Power Five, a transfer from Alabama, woo, who was medically retired from the Crimson Tide, and then a couple generously middle-of-the-pack transfers. It's hard to be a Syracuse football fan right now. And I know you said it. If the route to seven and six was different. Maybe this take is different. Maybe this anger is different. Maybe there's less frustration. But we are right now looking back 
with hindsight. We're not making a preseason prediction. We're looking at the what could have been this season. And what could have been is a lot more than the seven and six finish with a five game losing skid and a very much winnable loss in the pinstripe bowl. And that is what we're looking at right now. And that is where the frustration comes from. I want to head to Twitter because I want to see a couple of these tweets. Um, yeah. Let's start with Cole. He says, how confident are you guys in Schrader next season? This is a good question. Exactly the same as this season. Well, here's the thing, right? Even if you don't believe he's good enough to play, he's going to. It doesn't matter that Carlos Del Rio Wilson exists. Schrader's going to start all year next year, and he's going to win some games, and people are going to say he's not so bad after all. Don't forget that this season he started as the PFF number one quarterback for like three weeks in a row or something like that. He was outstanding Um, to start the year. The thing is, you know, if the offense can somehow utilize his legs and short passes to beat teams, I'm all for it if that wins you games. But you're at some point going to have to throw the deep ball, and he just can't do it. So in terms of confidence, I'm confident that Schrader will run the ball well at times and that he will complete short passes to a Rondé Gadsden. Those two things I'm incredibly confident in. For him to throw the deep ball with accuracy, I have no confidence in that department. That's my I said this today. You're a traitor. If he could throw the football, he'd be incredible. Incredible. If yeah. he could throw the football at the mid to deep range with some sort of relative accuracy. But that's not the case. Decision making needs to improve. Accuracy needs to improve. I do genuinely think that I, I currently sit. When all is said and done, we did this sort of Schrader confidence meter that fades out uh, as the team phased out. Uh, I think the confidence meter is right where it started the season. I don't know if that was 40% or what it was, but it's it's like 40 or 50% in terms of the confidence meter height in terms of what it could be. Maybe even a little bit lower. I have 40 seems right. Okay, like this is not overarching confidence in Garrett Schrader. It is more experienced. He does have a full season, but let's also throw this out there. Isn't this offensive coordinator number four in Garrett Schrader's college football career? Something like that. Yeah. All right. So I don't know. He's got a lot of input going through that brain. Um, I just can't imagine Beck's going to change anything crazily next year. And I actually don't think Beck, there's a huge problem with him. I'm not like anti Beck or anything, but I just think that, you're not going to see a huge change in the offense next year uh, in terms of what they ran because an eye, like we all thought would change things up. And he, he was really good to begin with, but he never adapted really. And the offense suffered because of it. Um, all right, let's look at a couple more tweets. I will say in this, uh, these Twitter replies, it's a mixed bag, but I'd say for the most part, people are a little bit, are, are more positive about next year than negative about today, which I appreciate out of the fans. Um, yeah, I will say if, Go ahead. There's young offensive pieces. Yeah, sure. Schrader being back, Allen being there and showing some spice, Gadsden being back. But I don't know how sold those three should make you actively. It's also the O-line's going to have to be good, you know? The yeah. O-line is going to have to really, you know, bolster up. I mean, without Bergeron for an entire year, a couple games is one thing, but for an entire year without your veteran left tackle, it's going to be a whole different ball game for them. And even though I give a lot of flack to Carlos Veterello, 
he's still a veteran as well. And Dakota Davis was a veteran. So without having those older brains around the offensive line room, it's going to be a different uh, a different task for those guys. And it's going to be a little bit more difficult to tackle uh, than it probably was this year for the younger guys. So um, that's going to be hugely important uh, coming next year. And also, like you said, like you mentioned, those transfers are going to be so, so important. Um, because like we saw this year, they could be great at times. They can be not so great at times. Elijah Clark, who's my guy, shout out if you're on YouTube. I'll show him right now with his bling. Um, he was great at some points of the season. Other times, he was really not that good. Um, today, he, Maybe that like penalty, how that season ended. Yeah, that penalty was really bad. Um, so, you know, you never know with these transfers. Jason Simmons, a guy who transferred in last year, he turned into you know a stud. He's been really, really good for Syracuse. So if they can hit on a couple of those guys and and the the Braylon Ingram and, and Joe Moore on the defensive and offensive lines respectively can show up and, and just provide some solid depth, there can be something there. But <sighs> Syracuse, I don't know how much longer they can rely on hitting the three-star prospects without getting the five stars and, and expecting success and promising success. I just don't know how much further that's going to work for them. And it's going and to I work think, for Dino. I think that's a, a larger issue at hand. And I think that that's a money issue as well. And until you can financially want to compete um, in terms of coordinators, in terms of finding some NIL opportunities. And I know that's not technically uh, something that Babers or Beheim can do, even though, right, we're not talking about that today, but even though a million dollars isn't good enough for a top 15 recruit, um, there's a lot going on right now that needs to to improve. And the three stars are going to stay three stars uh, until something bigger happens. And I don't know what that is, but it's, it's not in sight right now. Uh, we're hitting a 30-minute point. I want to rattle off a few shout-outs before we wrap. Uh, just so I can not abandon ship on these. Shout out Andre, Andre Schmidt. Um, I like you a lot. I know you struggled. You fought back. Good for you. A couple of field goals today. A couple extra points. Um, shout out Chris Elmore. Uh, you are an incredible person, dude. I love it. Everything you could ask a player to do, he did his entire career. So, so long. I hope he finds his way like I don't know, somehow becomes Eric Dungy over on one of these talk shows so we can keep hearing him and seeing him and keeping him involved in our life. Um, shout out Michael. I I loved, I forget who made the catch, but Michael's hitting him with a towel on the sideline in celebration. I saw it was Devon Cooper. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Um, and last shout out, Happy New Year, everyone. This would be our last episode before the New Year. So enjoy, have some fun. Call an Uber if you need one. It's important. Um, thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. Now make your second one, the Lockdown Sports Today podcast with Peter Bukowski. That's Lockdown Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's Owen Valentine. Uh, yes, thank you for a year of really good podcasts. We will see you in the new year. We appreciate you, and we'll see you later.